Welcome to Absurdity. Tony is back from his travels and is joining me once again. We loved you, Bryant, last week, and you were an excellent co-host fill-in. Um, but Tony, it is good to have you back. And one day I'd love for the both of you to be on at the same yeah, time. that'd be fun. Um, Bryant Bending Rodriguez. That's right. No, it was, uh, it was a really cool episode, and it was super chill because both of us were like tired on a Sunday and we were just like, yeah, let's sit down and let's just let's just why, chat. Why is it that like during the vacation times is when you and I were like the most exhausted? Um, that's just like, how life. It's the, travel. The I mean, you're traveling like, and seeing. Nobody it's where, tells that when you're in high school. Nobody says like, oh, by the way, you know those vacations? Yeah, you're going to be exhausted because you're going to be the one driving and dealing with, you know, yeah, just no, 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 insanity. All, all all ten of the things that I cannot understand why other people do. Uh, all 10 of them are this one thing. Yeah. Why do you take vacations that make you more tired when you, uh, you. when you come back Thank than you. you were when you left? You know what drives me crazy? People who take vacations and do stuff. Yeah, you know I mean? like more power to you. That's what you want to like, do. Oh, I'm going to sleep. Do this and let's do that. And then they have like this packed schedule, like real life. It, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of get it. Like, I okay, so I'll have to backtrack a little bit. Like, the for our particular professions, everything is busy all the time. I get for someone who just has a nine-to-five and doesn't really have, like, friends or people to, to hang out with all the time. Yeah. Why the, okay, that makes sense for them. But most people have a lot of things in their life. Like, why would you jam pack the one time to not do stuff? That just doesn't make any sense to well, me. My thing is, like, if you're going to do a trip, that's great. But give yourself two or three days on the back end of it to, like, sleep in and recover and catch up on your sleep yeah. schedule or your time zone Something. or any Something. of that. Right? Anyway. Like, that's, yeah. Um, but so that's what you we're going to be talking about this for an hour vacation, yes. staycations. <laughs> And how, how they are absurd, and and how we how we think that that people who take long vacations full jam packed full of stuff are crazy. And um, another thing, and these kids need to get off my lawn. Um, no, I am so a couple housekeeping items, just real quick. First of all, um, if you want to do us a favor and really really support the podcast, but you haven't been interested in being on Patreon or donating. Um, if you go to www.theabsurdity.org slash gear, and that will be in the show notes, but theabsurdity.org slash gear. I don't know why I said www. It's 2020. No one does that. Um, we actually are an Amazon affiliate now. And uh, any anyone yeah. who buys a, we've listed, I've gone on there and listed all of the audio and video equipment that we use for anything to do with absurdity. It's all of the podcasting and video gear that I suggest to people who are just starting out as well as what you can grow into. Um, And if you purchase any of those items using my links, I get commission um, and it costs you nothing extra. Um, So help me out um, and help the podcast out by um, if you are looking at buying some audio equipment, Um, You can also reach out to me personally and let me know. I can generate links for about anything um, and I'll add it to the gear list and you can, uh, you can easily go and buy and support the podcast that way. So that is number one. Number two, really cool announcement. We are finally here. 
the uh, the podcast network. I am planning, assuming nothing goes wrong. Yeah, the Absurd Podcast well, Network just, will launch publicly just, on January twenty two. You just assured that something's going to go wrong, but I know. Well, it's yeah. insurance. I, yeah. I it was insurance for myself, but um, for sure, <laughs> even if the network doesn't launch on the twenty second, the other thing that will launch on the twenty second that is a hundred percent for sure is uh, a beautiful faith with Henry Johnson. Uh, that podcast yeah. will launch. The first three and, episodes and, will go live yeah. on Wednesday, January twenty two. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, really excited for that and uh, excited for you guys to hear what we've been cooking up. We have recorded a bunch of episodes ahead of time getting ready for this. And um, it is, we're, I'm really proud of that podcast and really excited for some of the things that we're talking about. But if you've been looking for a more hopeful conversation around faith and the reconstructive journey, that is going to be the podcast for you. That's all my housekeeping items. Yep. We did it. And right yep. at the five minute mark too. You just, I am you so pretty good. Much just edit. Yeah, pretty much edit everything I said during all of that out. Like just, <laughs> just nope. Uh-huh, too late. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nope, we're good. Yep. I, I'm gonna leave it all in there just for you. Um just <laughs> oh, we're for doing, you. We did good. We did good. I think we need to start our nonsense conversations before we get to the announcements. That way, you know what I mean? I think we need to start our I think we need to end our nonsense conversations at fifty minutes. And then only have 10 minutes for actual episode content. content. Yeah, there that's what I think. There are podcasts that are like that. There are podcasts that are literally just, I didn't realize this. I did, like. Yeah. I kind of get why people like made fun of podcasts because I didn't realize that's the majority of, especially early podcasts, are just people literally talking, like no purpose whatsoever. Yeah, it's just, just like friends sit in a basement and all sit on the couches and they just talk and they so just I record whatever normal conversations I sat on my USB cord the other day. Ha 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 ha. Oh man, yeah. that really hurt. Ha. Like that was, that's like one podcast. I literally was just listening to that. And I'm like, I get why this is made fun of and attractive to listeners at the same time. Like I totally get that. Oh so. no, I've actually gotten more feedback that people kind of enjoy this, this kind of easing into the, the show yeah. topic though. Today's yeah. isn't like super heavy, so I'm not, yeah. Um, it's just some a little complex, to- <laughs> but it's not. Some of our episodes are real heavy. We should do like a trigger warning for people who like just like nice conversations or, or do like, <laughs> our, you know, hey, trigger warning. This conversation is going to have nothing important at all. So if you're expecting that, you're going to be very. <laughs> no, it's just your trigger warning you. is it, it, your trigger warning is that uh, our our nonsense talk at the beginning of the episode is always directly proportional to the How uh, to the severity and depth of the topic that <laughs> we're discussing us, for the day. If you hear us go on for 15 minutes, buckle in. And if you hear us go, yeah, exactly. If you hear us go hear on us for go 15 for minutes seconds. and five, five of those minutes are disclaimers, buckle, <laughs> bu- yeah. buckle up. Buckle uh, it's it's going to be a long ride. No, so Tony, yeah. you came to me with today's topic, so I'd love for I you did. to introduce it. Because um, I'm really excited about this. So, um, as with most things, I watched a documentary over the break because I was tired of writing uh, assignments over and over and over again. And the documentary is called Empire of Dreams, and it is on uh, the new Disney streaming network, Disney Plus, because I'm a sellout. And um, <laughs> I have it too. I just, I, anyway, 
So uh, it's all about how the original, it's a story of the original trilogy of Star Wars and how it got made. And one of the things that I had like subconsciously realized, but never realized it was intentional um, was that the, if you, if you know anything about A New Hope, the first story of the Star Wars uh, original trilogy, um, the, the fourth episode in the nontology, <laughs> I don't know how to, Nontuplets, I think, yeah, so I think it'd be nontology. Um, so episode four. All nine movies. Yeah. It's a, it's a very philosophical movie. It almost feels like a spaghetti western, has very contemplative, moody scenes, a lot of very, fan, you know, uh, beautiful um, shots of, like, the desert or, you know, the sky, um, space, you know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also, it ends with a very positive message. Like it ends on a good note. It ends happy. The good guys win, the bad guys lose. And the bad guys aren't, like they're bad. You know, it's clear that they're bad. And the reason why they're bad is very, you know, it's clear they're dominating. They destroy a planet. Spoiler alert, hashtag Alderaan, never forgotten, always in our hearts. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just important to understand that at that time in the 70s, these really negative movies were coming out. So like the, the, the kind of height of sci-fi at that time was uh 2001 space odyssey. And it was a really, it's a really dystopian um, nihilistic type of film. And of course there are those mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, it, you could, Ask 11 people about a Kubrick film, you'll get 11 different interpretations, none of them with any connection. But but even even those that, like, they all kind of agree, like, oh, yeah, it's a very bleak and misanthropic film. And that was kind of all of sci-fi. Like, that was how all of sci-fi and even most of the movies in the 70s went. Like, it was a very... The 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 hopes and dreams of the sixties that we were going to fix, you know, the universe and the world, that we were going to make things better, and all of a sudden, it like, oh, no, it got so much worse. Um, it was kind of coming out. And so you had these very, very um, negative films. And so, you know, The Godfather is another one. You know, it's just there are no heroes, um, uh, you know, that type of thing. All right. So Star Wars comes out and it just turns everything on its head. And one of the people said was the reason why like Star Wars wouldn't be as successful today as it was back then Um because of Star Wars, because it was such a like a a relief, like a drink of water for people who were just starving, a breath for, of fresh air, yeah, positivity, and they're like, oh man, you know, I know who the bad guys are, I know who the good guys are. It still made you think, like it didn't, it didn't just like it wasn't a kids movie per se. Um, there were still mm-hmm. you know importance. It still was very philosophical, but it was it was great. So with that in mind, I was like, man, this, like, I didn't know kind of how to, to, to turn this into a topic or think about it, but I was going through my head, like, I want to talk about this because one of the things that bugs me in, um, Christianity is that I've had people come up. I've, I, so every sermon that I make, I guess I'm kind of outing myself here. Every sermon that I preach, um, and make, I, I, I make a movie reference into it. I make a cinematic, a film reference, um, and that's intentional. It's just like my little, um, like stamp, like it's like my little signature in the corner of the painting, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no one else says you know, that. I don't, I don't do it like, I don't like 
you know, just cram it in there. Like I make it work. Um, but it's my own little way of doing it. But I've had people say before, like, Hey, you can't mention Star Wars. Like you, you need only mention Christian films. And I was like, why? And I think my, my <laughs> views on Christian media have been very open on this platform. Um, and so it was like, well, it, you know, like I have no problem doing something like facing the giants or whatever, but there aren't a lot of good Christian films out there. And quite frankly, a lot of them have terrible theology and, and I explained like, why is Star Wars bad? And they go, oh, well, it has, you know, the theology is all uh, pantheistic and all this. And I'm like, okay, yes, but I didn't like reference the pantheism part. Um, I was talking about faith and how, you know, you have the, like Yoda has that famous scene in Empire Strikes Back where he has, you know, faith. Lifting up, and I thought mm. it's, it, it's this positive thing. I go, obviously, you have to apply it contextually to Christianity. It's not a one-to-one reference. You have to to change it up a little bit. But faith is faith. Like, belief is belief. And yeah. and that was the type of thing where I was like, why would you want me? Like, I even started thinking about some of the some of the stories in the Bible, um, in the early, in the New, like the Old Testament, mostly because uh, my senior pastor had just preached an entire sermon, like, kind of on an, well, it wasn't. It was centered around an Old Testament story, and it was all blood and guts and terrible and negative. And basically, and he didn't intend it this way, but it kind of came out as, you know, look at you, you terrible people. You need to get right with your God kind of a thing. Um, and it was all like warning against, you know, impiety. And and I was like, okay, I mean, yes, but the, the Old Testament is filled with a lot of negativity. There's pot- There is positivity in there, don't get me wrong. But, like, it it felt like such a weird letdown that they would, well, I'm okay with this very discouraging, um, very condemning message, you know, very negative message, if it comes from the Bible. But this very positive message that clearly, you know, follows through with the point of the Bible, which is the Christ narrative, yeah, that that I wasn't okay with. And I just began to think about it. And then um, I think it was a couple of days ago or yesterday, a uh, friend of ours, friend of the podcast, Sean Brace, um, he tweeted out um, uh, uh, this. And he's quoting N.T. Wright, uh, the uh, Anglican theologian. And he's uh, quoting a podcast. I don't know which episode, but he's quoting a podcast that he does um, with Justin Barley. Um, and he says again and again, the point of the Harry Potter stories is that the most, and he puts that in, in uh, asterisks and quotes, emphasizes, powerful thing in the universe is self-giving love. And then the host of the, the podcast asks uh, N.T. Wright anything. They are a deeply Christian story in many ways. Um, and if you object to them, you may as well object to Narnia, right? The Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. And I thought it was so interesting he brought that up. Because the other series that I have been condemned for reading and watching and bringing up is Harry Potter, uh, roundly, like again and again and again by people who were very close to me. And I'm like, okay, you haven't read this story. If you read it, 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 that's what it's all about. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today is this idea of positive narratives. I personally, I, 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 well, I want to ask you and get your thoughts about it. I want to bring this up. The main question I want to ask is this. What is, 
what are things that are, are powerful about positive narratives and can we only find them in the Bible? Yeah. Those are the kind of okay. the things that I want to ask. So, so Becker, thoughts right off the bat? Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, I think the Star Wars thing is you almost buried the lead a little bit with it because, like, it, it, for just how revolutionary it was at the time that Star right, Wars released, yeah. for a story to be so positive that had to do with i mean the the reason people love spaghetti westerns is because it's the good guy triumph they they tune in every single night or you know every week to see the good guy win and star wars was the first time that that had happened in space uh in a way that was digestible and in a way that yeah. kids that families could watch right right yeah um yeah. and that's something that can't be appreciated today the same way and another example of this is actually from the slasher film scream that's the the one with the with the killer who has like the long face yeah, mask right, long, that looks like he's face. screaming. Yeah, so um, that movie was kind of marketed with Drew Barrymore starring in the movie, and the one thing that no one my age, it, you know, could possibly know. Anyone my age or younger basically could possibly know that didn't know who Drew Barrymore was at the time, like. This for for this movie to advertise Drew Barrymore would be like a movie today advertising like a, a you know a huge A list actor. It'd be like you know George Clooney or Tom Hanks starring in this movie. Let's say Tom Hanks starring in a movie, right? But then Scream goes ahead and kills off Drew Barrymore in the first five minutes of the film. The audience yeah. audiences yeah. were shocked. Like yeah. what kind of risk to kill the star of the movie? Kill the star of the movie. In five, in the first five minutes, the opening scene of the movie, like yeah. that's that's like something right that my like generation can never can never experience. Right in the same way, we can't experience what it was like for Star Wars to be the breath breath of fresh air that it was. Um, and so, I wanted to give some sort of context around that that kind of helps helps demystify a little bit of why that was so impactful. And I think the reason that we're so drawn to these positive stories is the same way we're drawn to entertainment. You know, as a whole, the value is in the escape for a lot of people and the value. And by escape, I don't mean escapism in an unhealthy, I don't want to interact with my problems. Avoiding way. your problems. Yeah. Yeah. What I mean is, man, it is really nice to get a breath of fresh air from all the problems and all the issues that I do have and maybe uh, experience a story where, okay, I'm not the only one dealing with this or experiencing a story where I can just get my mind off of things for a little bit. Right. And it and encourages you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it can definitely encourage you whether it's through company and, and watching or experiencing a story that is someone else's, but that has been through the same thing. This is why uh, things like AA are, you know, can be so powerful yeah. is um, not just for entertainment, but like being a part of a community. Yeah, this is why right, men's groups right. for overcoming pornography and things exist. It's the idea of being in community. That That is a huge aspect of things, right? So not feeling so alone. Um, there's, there's a lot of value that is found in uh, identifying with something outside of yourself. So that, yeah. you know, I, I think the reason the reason that we like the the story where the good guy wins is we, is it does instill us with hope. It does give us this idea that, okay, the story doesn't end here. And I mean, in the same way that dare I what, say you're, a you're, new hope, I hate you. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> I figure that my brand for everything I do is terrible puns. 
Um, oh. And so I'm glad that I have you on board Felt because you also so... make terrible puns. I was like, I, why are you smirking at I'm me? Not, I'm and not going to lie. Now I understand. If I hadn't gotten to say that, it would have eaten me. Like I would not have been able to sleep tonight yeah. had I not said that. This is the, now I completely lost my train of thought. You have ruined me. Um, but it does it, like stories like that instill people with hope because they know that like, okay, this isn't the end of the line. Like whenever I watch a fast and furious movie, um, whether for good, for better or for worse, pray for yourself, uh, pray for everyone in traffic, uh, as I'm on my way home, because I will be driving like a maniac, uh, you know, I'll be so hyped up on adrenaline watching a fast and furious movie because it's just so fun. And I love all the, you know, I used to drive stick shift. So, um, like I used to have a manual car and so driving stick shift was always a blast for me. And uh, I would drive very fast going home. And amazingly, those are never the times I got pulled over. And I don't necessarily endorse that. But what I'm saying is movies do have an impact on you and the positivity and hope you can experience by seeing the good guys win. That does have a, that does have an effect on you. Now I understand that someone could take that argument and flip it and say, okay, but all the negative stuff that you're seeing could also have a, you know, a negative impact. But here's my, here's, here's the thing. Like you, you shared the example of movies like facing the giants and Christian movies that have terrible theology. And then your church member would counter with, well, you know, star Wars has pantheism, whatever. And you said, well, I don't, did you hear me mention that? I just just want to clarify, like facing the giants, I think has good theology. I mean, yeah, but like some, some, yeah, there are are others that do. Yeah. Like that's, that was a separate thing. I was like, that's, that's one of the like decent Christian movies that I can. Yeah. No, I like facing the giants. But but yes, I get what you're saying that they would counter yeah. back with yeah. So the the beauty there is like they would they would counter your I didn't mention the pantheism in um, in Star Wars via the Force with well don't mention the bad theology of these Christian movies and it's like if you can be selective about the thing like you've just proven the point you can be selective and you can be discerning. In what you are taking in, you know, well, one of the, go the, ahead. The, the point of the movie isn't the force. Like that's the thing that the people don't get. Like the point of a lot of these Christian movies, I, I want, I, for a second, I want to be like Hallmark movies, but the point of a lot of these Christian movies is the theology. It's not, you know, it, it the left behind movies. It's not about telling a narrative. Yeah. Like, none of the left behind movies are are decent movies they're all terrible terrible movies the plot isn't there it's it's but it's about sending out the theology um and there are a few christian movies i've seen that that do have a good plot i'm like all right this is bad badly made or not necessarily it's not made the best but okay i can get behind i can see the plot i can kind of see where this is but there are just some that like Heaven is real. And so it's like, it's, that's not about the plot. It's definitely about making Christians be like, see, my beliefs are, are real. Yeah, exactly. And Versus now Star Wars was about the plot. You know, some of these movies, it's about the narrative. And, and let, let's, let's play, let's play, let's have some fun here. And let's point at a movie that uh, everyone loves to talk about as a, as a popular Christian movie. And everyone has fond opinions of, which is Prince of Egypt. Um <laughs> Prince of Egypt is this story of God winning and, you know, story of the people of Israel winning Moses, you know, overcoming uh, Israel, overcoming Egypt and escaping. And, and, you know, it is this beautiful story that everyone loves. If you grew up a Seventh-day Adventist, like you probably watch this movie every single Saturday as it was this and Joseph and the coat of many colors were probably the only two movies you were allowed to watch 
other than maybe you know a couple of shows on on like Animal Planet. I think I was allowed to watch Animal Planet growing up on on Saturdays. Um, so we, I I grew up with like all the VeggieTales. Actually, actually, oh, yeah, VeggieTales too. VeggieTales too. We didn't even too. do that. Yeah. We did we did Ben Hur and uh, Prince oh, of Ben Hur. Oh, not Prince of Egypt. Uh, the Ten Commandments. But I talked to me about Ben Hur and talked to me about about like themes and stuff. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, continue. but like yeah, that Prince of so, Egypt. Prince of Egypt is this song where if you already know the narrative of Israel, you can watch it and kind of ignore some of the more problematic parts of it. For example, the song uh, that everyone loves to sing, and I forget who's, who actually sings it. Uh, is it? In, in the actual um, movie, it's... Uh, it's not Whitney uh, Houston. No, it's... it's it's No, no, no. It's, in the actual but it movie... Is, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey sung the, D, like the, the album version of it, and they oh, did it at okay. the Grammys. Um, yeah. or the Oscars. I can't remember which one. Uh, but in the movie, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and um, uh, she was in the God, uh, the nah. Miss Confidentiality, Sandra Bullock. Okay, cool. So, and that's a song. There can be miracles. Miracles, I think, is what it's just called. But I think it's just um, miracles. Song, yeah, yeah. There can be miracles when you believe. When All right, cool. You so, believe. Um, the problem is that that song never actually lists what you need to believe in in order for there to be miracles. Just there can be miracles when you believe. Um, this is a problematic thing because if you don't know the overall narrative of that story or scripture, then it, it doesn't really give you a source of this is the thing I need to believe in. And um, if you want it to also, tell me, it also infers that you are the power and source of your own miracle. Yes. And yes, correct. And, and it shows up that faith, right? If you just have faith, faith is the source of that not the thing that you actually believe in. It's just the belief itself is the power that sustains you. And this is, this is problematic. And if you're wondering like, no, I'm actually not um, hating on Prince of Egypt. I loved Prince of Egypt. That movie's fantastic. I'll watch it all the time. Uh, the, I'm illustrating a point, which is that if you look hard enough, you can find problems in every single piece of content created. I don't care if that is the thing that you agree with the most. I don't care if I don't care if you think it's the Bible. The Bible is definitely something that you can find some problems that you have to address in it, including some of the the desperation and depressing stories that exist in the Old Testament. I mean, our favorite one to my favorite one to talk about in this is um, is Judges 19 where someone gets chopped up into bits um, looking at Samson Ecclesiastes, which is, yeah. Um, which opens by saying everything is meaningless yeah. um, and everything is vain. And yeah. Yeah. Samson. There's, there's, yeah. there's all these, there's all these things in, in the Bible that are problematic and we seem to not have a problem with that. And yet, all of the minor if, prophets, if kids are playing video games, that's the, that's the problem. They need to be reading yeah. the Bible because the Bible is safe uh, for kids, but not that video game that censors out the blood when they, when they punch someone. Nope. But the, the one where someone drives a spike through uh, someone else's head while they in the, in their tent while they're asleep. No, that's the, that's the story that we want them to be reading for sure. Like that's the kind of problematic stuff that we run into when we just, I, we, we just prop this, the Bible up as and this. That, and that's not to say like, we're not saying don't read the Bible, but it's like you have to have discernment. Yes. And you have to have discernment for everything that you take in, in movies, the Bible, everything, because if, if, 
I, I think it's I think that should be the case for anyone, right? Regardless of where you stand on faith as a as an idea or you know as a, as a religious thing, um, you could be atheist, you could be a completely other faith expression or or, or world religion. I don't really care. Uh, I think discernment is important for everyone. I don't think it I don't think it is good to just watch something and just let it kind of just just watch it to watch it without any sort of processing being done uh, before or after, right? Like there should be something. And and there should be some thinking about what you've just seen. The problem is, and this, is, I hate when people, I'm, I can't do that anymore. I hate when people say the problem is. My issue with this is that a lot of people are using other people's discernment as an excuse for their own. So instead of actually, like all the people that, all the fundamentalists that I've seen criticize Harry Potter, Star Wars, whatever, like they've never seen the movies, they won't even touch them. Uh, they they won't listen to them or they'll judge them based off of a 30 second scene out of context that they've that that uh, they they happen to see on YouTube or somewhere. Right. Versus um, they would they would come after anyone who would judge the Bible off of a verse taken out of context or a passage taken out of context. And there is a need for us to I, I don't. There is a need for us to know firsthand and I don't think we need to be able to make every single decision over our lives by experiencing something firsthand. But I don't think that we should make ourselves the ultimate enemy of, of uh, things that ultimately are yeah. neutral or amoral yeah. on their own uh, based, on the, based on the discernment of others. I think we should be willing to give things a chance and let them stand on their own, on their own two feet and find out, is this something that I'm comfortable with? So... And, Right. And so like a great verse that gives that understanding. And this is and this is like a practical lesson in why that's important. All right. So the one that I always get thrown at me whenever I talk about this type of stuff um is Philippians four eight, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible verse, which is uh whatever is true, uh whatever is noble. Well, let me actually read it since I specifically <laughs> brought my iPad. All right. Uh finally Brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, that gets thrown at me when I talk about, you know, Nacho Libre and make a Nacho Libre quote from the pulpit. Nacho right? Libre is pure and holy, Tony. All right. And <laughs> it is lovely. It is admirable. It is true. Anything it is that all has of those things. Mexican street corn is pure and lovely. No, but I was like, all right, fine. But let's take those same things and apply that to a lot of stories in the Bible. All right? Mm. Um, yeah, you're not getting a lot of those things. Let's, let's just go back over this. Uh, true, noble, right, pure, holy, admirable. Mm, yeah. That Genesis really six. Apply. Let's go with let's go with the one yeah. where God wipes the entire earth uh, like a like a clean slate. Right. Right. Let's go with yeah, that. Exactly. That's a that's a lovely and ad, think about like, that. You know, that's Sit an admirable story. Think about story. that all the time. Now, again, I'm not saying don't read the Bible, but that verse out of context, you can like you can apply that to the the Old Testament. And I'm like, oh, I kind of see why like some Christians don't want to read the Old Testament. We had our our um you know, episode talking about kind of the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so what I want to do is a quick exe- exegesis uh, exercise 
on Philippians 4. Like, read it in context, right? So this is the context. This is at the end of the book. This is the context that he's talking about, right? So he starts with, the section starts with, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So in all things, rejoice, right? Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So the context of this is if you pray and devote yourselves to God and spend time with him and get to know you know, God in a, in a relationship context and the peace of God will come into your life and guard your hearts and your minds. I love how clearly annoyed you sound. Right. But nobody's talking about this point. Like, okay, so there's always like, well, guard, you have to guard your mind. You have to guard your mind. Okay, well, except that God says he's already doing it. If you're spending time with God, you're going to recognize it. And the best example I can use about that is I don't just watch all films willy-nilly. It's not just, I'm like, oh, I can find a biblical narrative in this and that. Like, I look for it, but I'll give a perfect example. The recent Joker film, which everyone says is going to win an Oscar and going to be so great. I've talked about it, I believe, on this podcast before. Um, well, and we, Yeah, I was going to say, we talked about that movie. Yeah, I, I, I can't recommend that film to everyone. Um, there's another, I, the first Deadpool movie. Up until the Deadpool movie, Deadpool was, like, I used to wear Deadpool swag. I used to identify with him. And then that first movie came out, and it was just... It was it was so not disturbing per se, but I just I was like I can't recommend this. And in fact, I stopped wearing I, I stopped wearing it just because I was like I, this is not this is not good. It's it's not very something. nihilistic. And the second one is much much better. Um, still very graphic, violently. I'm not recommending it necessarily, but I'm like, oh, okay, right. Like, I would be much more comfortable saying, like, oh, you can watch it because the message of there is is even though it is like, oh, he wants to go, like, there's a much more positive message to it as opposed to the first one. Um, and there's a lot less, you know, nudity and stuff. But um, the the no, big wait, thing- I thought we were talking about Joker still. My bad. No, I no, 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 somehow- no, we're talking about You're Deadpool, good. but also in Joker. I'm sorry. Yes, but also in Joker. Right, the same exact thing. Like I walked in that movie, and within I want to say the first hour of what is essentially a three-hour film, um, I think is it over three hours? No, it's close to it. It's a long. It's close film. to it. Within that first hour, I knew I was like, I can't recommend this film to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like not because like oh, it was so bleak and so misanthropic. And it gets and it and it's just a downhill movie the there's entire no, time. Yeah, like, it, it, like there's, there's no, no it doesn't uh, get less it bleak. Doesn't get, and I knew it wasn't going to. That's the thing. Like I knew like Batman's my favorite comic book character of all time. So I like I knew how dark it is. And I knew where it was gonna go. And I'm like, I I knew. So much so that I I you know, flat out told my girlfriend, I'm like, don't watch it. Like 
I know you. I know how you think. Like, don't watch it. I, I, I actually advocated against it, which is something I haven't done for any comic book film to this point. And those have crazy theology too, like Thor and mm-hmm. uh, you know Doctor Strange and all this. But but I'm like, ah, you know what? You can do, with that one. I'm like, there's there's no, there's there's nothing there. That's yeah. discernment. That's discernment. Well, and it means something when you're selectively saying no to this movie, whereas. Um, you know, a lot of parents, I've watched them try and, you know, talk their kids out of doing something. And the problem is you just sound like a broken record at some point. And without giving any sort of, like you were able to contextualize what you were saying and speak on, openly and honestly with your girlfriend about a movie. And normally you would respond and she right, undoubtedly yeah. knew how excited you were about it. So you, when she, when you say, don't watch this, she probably understands like, Oh, that's a serious thing. And listens. Yeah. I don't right, know if exactly. she did, but there's a higher chance of it. But and if that, a parent and- is known for just saying, don't watch this type of movie, well, like at some point when they're the only person at school that hasn't seen the movie, you know, your kid, then, um, they're going to, I don't want to say they're going to go against you, but they have every incentive to go against you because, Oh, well, here's mom and dad just saying what they always say. Well, and, I, uh, and her- all my friends are fine. And Harry Potter is a perfect example of that. Um, Harry Potter and Star Wars. I, I was told specifically, oh, don't don't read Harry Potter. Harry Potter's evil, evil, evil. Um, they even made us watch this. I remember distinctly, I, I was still living in California, so I think I might have been 10 or 11. And they brought us out and made us watch this like straight up two hour long sermon because he talks, you know, against Harry Potter with the Goblet of Fire. And... Mm. He mentions the book once. It was two hours of him railing against young people, basically. It was a horrible sermon. Even at 11, I was like, this, no, that doesn't. Mm-mm. And like, so, and the point is, I remember the, just everyone said, don't read it. Don't read it. Don't read it. Okay. All that did was make you want to read it. But because I knew, like, I just eventually just put it on the shelf and just said, I'm going to read this later. Because it was so, but I knew, like, I'm like, I, what, what, like, none of the people could give me a reason. None of them could give me a reason. Oh, well, it's got magic. Oh, it's the devil. Oh, it's the, oh, you know, when she was writing the books, you know, the devil possessed her to go. Like, I heard all these crazy stuff. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, you're, I'm calling BS on that. So, <laughs> Bible study on that. We have to do a Bible study because you're lying. Um, So, I actually went out and read the books, right? In college. Because I was like, let me wait until I'm older. And then finally yeah. I get the call. So I'm like, ah, yeah, my views on God are pretty set. And I read them. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. The funny thing is I had been told so many times, oh, don't read Harry Potter. Don't read Harry Potter. Okay. I read, and I don't know if I should be admitting this, but I, I read the, uh, so you know the Sounds of the Lambs, the main guy yes. from Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah. So I read that. The whole series of of uh, him, uh, there's like a series of four or five books. I read all of them. Yeah, uh, the Lecter series, the Hannibal Lecter series, but it's it's not called. I think it's called the Red Dragon series or something like that. I read the whole thing. It it took away something from me, <laughs> like it took <laughs> innocence from me that I wish I wish I hadn't. But here's the thing: no one was telling me, "Oh, don't read Hannibal Lecter." But they were definitely saying, "Oh, definitely don't read Harry Potter," which is the it's yeah. a ch- it's it's literally a book for children. Um, the first two books are I, I'd say eight or nine year olds, really, maybe eleven. 
maybe 11. But like, it's not, they're, they're innocuous. They really are. They truly, honestly are. Um, the later books get a little bit more adult. They deal with bigger things. I was reading books with way worse magic. Uh, the Aragon series, I know is one out. That's not I the actual series. I loved the Aragon. That was the it's, first it's a great like, series, fantasy book. That the, the theology, was, I mean, the theology is all off. He's very anti-religion. Um, the way that they access magic is literally through demons. Like that's literally how they do it. Now, I'm not saying like, obviously I was being discerning even as a kid, but mm-hmm. again, no one was telling me, oh, don't read those books, but don't, you know, Harry Potter's bad, but oh, well, except for the people that say, well, don't read anything unless it's the Bible. And I'm like, there's magic in the Bible. Yeah. Like you just got to know where the magic is coming from and what it's being used for. And this is the thing that people really, truly, honestly don't understand. And it bugged me so much because now looking back, I'm like, I would way rather have somebody read the Harry Potter books than read through some of these, how do I say this? Last time, end time Mm -hmm. books by Adventists because the Harry Potter books emphasize on goodness winning and are way more positive than those books. Those those end time books are 90% everything is going horrible. They're, they're essentially like, I'm going to be careful using this word, but they're essentially like slasher porn for 90%, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like just scary, horrible, torture, you know, weird yeah. Eli Roth. And then at the last second, and then Jesus comes, yay. <laughs> Like I remember reading Fair. those and just and and just not I was not happy Jesus was coming. I was freaking scared yeah. out of my guts. And then I actually read Revelation and I'm like, oh, like I read Ellen White for myself and I was like, oh, like that's no, as a kid that's I was gonna like, be like a year at best. Like as a kid is, I was like, Jesus, don't don't come until after I get married. Don't come until after I you know have a job. Don't uh, you know? It was this. It was very much that as a kid. I didn't want what was coming because I wanted the chance to live my life first. Uh, before and, all of that. And that's not a good, necessarily a good thing, but that was no. just the understanding I had of it. I was scared of it. I fully understand. And this um, is the problem that I see is that like, we allow this incredibly negative material because, because it says, Jesus. So, so this is the question that I have to ask. All right. What value does positivity, do positive or strong narratives have for believers? This is the question I want to well, ask. Okay, ask, so I want to answer you know. it, but I do want to respond to one thing you said oh, respond. Uh, in talking about magic, which is, no, no, I find it interesting. No, no. I don't really care. Uh, it's my podcast. You will listen to me. <laughs> um, the, the thing I find interesting about magic is we are so quick to label things like Harry Potter, whatever, and, yeah. and magic there bad, but like you were miraculously healed from this tumor or from this yeah. sickness or someone miraculously survived this crash and we go, Nope, not magic. Uh, you know, it, God, Jesus walks on water. Nope, yeah. not magic. Anyone else walks on water up oh, magic. Terrible. Um, it, it, we, we so quickly try to explain away the supernatural or the, the, the outside of the, you know, the inexplicable things by just saying, well, that's bad because it didn't happen the way that I'm used to it happening. Yeah. And in Harry Potter, magic is a tool very much used to free people to, to fight evil. Uh, like Jesus, when he casts out the demons from the demoniac or like Jesus, when he uses mud to, uh, to, and he cakes it, he, he mixes spit with mud 
rubs it on a dude's eyes, it, wipes it away, and, and he heals him. It's literally a metaphor for technology. Like, non-magical people use technology, and magical people use magic. Yep. But it's not... It doesn't give one person an advantage over another unless that's how you use it. It's literally like it's, yep. it's like it's a better analogy for King Leopold's ghost than like yeah. demonology. No, physics may as well be magic to me. Yeah, it, that's uh, literally what it is. It's just like a manipulation yeah. of physics. It's technology, and it's that like that's why the Belgians could take over the Congo because they had better technology and they used it to destroy. These people lives yep. versus, oh, technology can also help people's lives, mm -hmm. you know, and, br you know, bring back an arm that, you know. Uh, friggin, oh, well, I mean, even, you know, I mean, talk about talk about ancient war and you've got you've got like the the first who were, who is the first army to utilize elephants in battle? Um, uh, well, uh, we don't know the first one, but at least Hannibal. Was yeah. Okay. So most famous, right? So people people see these see see these big huge beasts coming at them at first, and they think, "Whoa!" Like they have they're summoning these beasts that we've never seen before. Uh, they you know, and now we just go, "Yeah, those are called elephants." Gunpowder. Uh, you know, once we uh, gunpowder. Yeah. You know? yeah that, like, oh, they're summoning fire from a rock. Yeah, that's that's gunpowder. It's just a chemical yeah. reaction. No big deal. So I and 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 I say that because it it. it we're giving these things more power than they have. That's what we're doing when we, yeah. when we try to ascribe it this way. I so that's what I wanted to respond to there. And, and it's, um, it's, it's a non-factor like you, like again, such a minor with the, plot point. With the Aragon series, I was like, Oh, okay. Like it's clearly, you know, the sorcerer is summoning up an ancient death. But yeah, that's demonology. Like that's, You're that's a demon possessing them. But even in that, I was like, that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is not that. And like reading Your through the biggest... book, I was like, "Oh, this is this is much more about losing the ancient ways and heritage and what we do when we when you know how humanity destroys things that are beautiful and and the corruption of those beautiful things, you know, instead of working together and 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 harmony, um, mm -hmm. when it's used to abuse, it can be terrible. Like that's the point of the book. Even something that yeah. does have like bad magic, quote end quote." Like that's not the point of the book. Well, honestly, your biggest problem with Aragon should not be the magic. It should be the fact that he wrote it when he was fifteen. Thank so you. it's it's actually a Thank terrible you. literary oh, no. work. Even it if it's is, every, even if well it's so many people's like much, introductory yeah. world it, or you know introductory book into fantasy um, and that kind of medieval things. Like a lot well, of people went on to go read Lord better. of the Rings right after Aragon, well, right? Because that was the gateway. What's crazy about all that, by the way? All these fantasy books are all based on Lord of the Rings. They are all based yep. on Lord of the Rings. All of them come out of that, and the Lord of the Rings has a Christian, literally yep. has a Christian, it comes from a Christian yep. base. So you could argue that the entire fantasy world yep. is tainted by Christianity. So atheists should be the ones telling their kids, no, don't read these books. They should be the ones offended. Mm. And they're not. They're yep. laughing at us. Anyway, so you so asked the question, question. Yeah. You asked the question, what value does positivity or, or do these strong narratives have for, for believers? For and believers. Yeah. I think, um, I think I, I, I did mention, I think a, a bit of it at, the, at, you know, near the beginning when I did talk about, um, how it can give you community, a, a sense of community. It can give you a sense of, of hope. Um, but I think what, I think what it, here's what I love about, positivity within these kind of narratives and narrative frameworks. The thing that it can do is it can reignite 
that spark of kind of that childhood like or, or childlike spark of joy and imagination and and hope that's different. Like there there's there's the hope that says, yeah, I can get through tomorrow. Um but then there's then there's that childlike hope, that kind of innocent hope. It, it gives you a little bit of that back. Um, it gives you the kind of the kind of hope and that kind of feeling that you get when you're watching fireworks at Disney or, you know, like it's it's this celebratory thing that really does motivate you. It gives you energy and it reminds you that there is a bigger thing going on. In fact, it may even remind you that there's a revelation at the end of the Bible that wraps all of this up pretty darn beautifully. There's so there's there is incredible value in it. If you don't think that has a narrative, you have clearly taken the same class I did on it. (laughs) Fair, Um, but I think that that right there is the biggest value is that reminder that there is a bigger narrative in your own life that there is something more going on, and that is both that is both a caution to be aware of evil forces at work. Um, and you know, one of the things that we always tend to do is a lot of people, a lot of believers tend to, the second something bad happens, we blame God for it. Right. And in, in Star Wars, it would be like every time something bad happens to Luke, him blaming Yoda or Obi-Wan instead of blaming, I don't know, the The empire. Yep. Uh, yeah. And Palpatine. And and, you know, like that's the kind of thing is in not saying that God, that Yoda and Obi-Wan are God figures. That's not what I'm, but you're blaming the good guys when it's the bad guy, when there's bad guys doing something. So yeah, I think there's a lot of value there. I think the other value that it has, well, I'll, I'll save this because this is the next question for me. The value that it has for believers is when you look at the way that we view the Bible, so many of us, the hermeneutic that we use, the lens that we interpret the Bible through is, is either a negative one or a positive one. And I see so many times this inherently negative understanding of the Bible. Um, mm. Not in the sense of like, oh, the Bible is bad, but in the sense that if you have a chance to read a verse you will get an inherently negative or, or condemning. Uh, that's what you're going to pull out of it is the negativity versus the positivity, right? So yep. you'll see God punishing someone and, and you'll think like in Hebrews, right? Like, oh, you know, God punishes people. And literally the book of Hebrew goes, yeah, he only punishes those who he like considers to be saved, like he yep. doesn't, he doesn't punish those on the outside. That's just life. Like if you follow him, then he's going to like, Hey, 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 you're not following my ways. That those are the only people. And it's like, Oh, like you can take that negativity in part and be like, Oh God punishes. Or you can say he punishes because he's already offered you salvation. Like you are saved. So it's coming from a love. It's coming from a, he wants you to become a better person. Like that's to me, that's the inherent value of a strong narrative and a strong positivity is that, it helps you re like interpret the Bible from that view of this is the center. The hermeneutical center of the Bible is God loves you and is trying to save you. Not you're going to hell. Here are the ways to mm. avoid because God is one to put you there and he's waiting for that. Yep. Ah, I saw it. You watch Deadpool gone. Um, <laughs> and, and to me, I get that. So that's the value. All right. So then the flip side of that is what are the value um, for non-believers, where the value in, in these positive, strong narratives for a non-believer? I would say the exact same thing. 
Um, I would say um, it is still a it is a motivator. It is a a chance to kind of take your mind off of things. It can be a breath of fresh air amidst a lot of you know tragedy or or rough things that you may be dealing with. But the other thing that it does, and this is this is this is something that's incredible about narratives like this. Um, and if you count history as a narrative, history in general as a narrative, whether it's a, you know fiction or non like history would be a non fictional narrative. Um, the 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 greater thing here is that it actually ends up being a unifying force between believers and non believers, because ultimately this gives us a, this gives oh, us a place mine. of connection. Uh, did I? I'm sorry. It's okay. Go ahead. I take I back others. all of that. I have Tony. Others. I can't think of any. What is a what is a value that you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, but I do think it is. Yeah. It, you, yeah, it absolutely does. Like I am in I am in groups that that. Uh, bring together so many people from so many different backgrounds, right? We all go, I'll go with a bunch of friends and go see the latest Avengers movie and we'll talk about it later. And, um, and you get to dive into that story. You get to dive into the moment like, oh man, I really thought that they were going to do this. And then they did this. And those, those conversations can absolutely be springboards. Should you use them that way? And uh, outside of that, you know, if you're a believer and looking for that opportunity, but outside of that, like, it's just a place to connect. That's really what it becomes. It becomes a way to connect with people. And I love that about movies. I love that about books. I love that about music. Um, it, it's connecting power is absolutely incredible. And I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I remember one time I was with a bunch of non, non-believer, like clearly like... Non-believers being just... People, people, non-Christians, people, people, not even non-Christians, like non-believers, like people who don't really, okay. Like, atheists. Okay. Atheists or agnostics. Not yeah, even okay. atheists, just like Americans. <laughs> I don't know how to describe I just, it. Like, I, don't, I don't, I just don't, don't care to... about spir- spiritualism. None. You know what I mean? Like they're like, whatever, I'm just trying to live my life. Kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, God's kind of there. They would consider themselves Christian, but they're, they're nominal believers in anything. And I just don't want to be, say non-believer right, just sounds right, so right. negative. Because I would have said non-Christians. That's like, that's my thing. It's yeah. like, for those who believe in something, here's what positivity is about. Um, so, for instance, um, there is a, a podcast called Criminal. And one of the episodes, they they talk about this Buddha in Oakland um, that this guy set up. Um, a concrete Buddha. And he just wanted to get rid of, they were putting trash um, on this like barrier divider thing in front of his house. And so he just wanted to <laughs> curb that behavior. <laughs> so that's you. two, man, I'm on fire. Um, and so he just puts his Buddha up there and they go, well, you know, if you put Christ, you know, he's controversial, it'll cause problems, but Buddha's neutral. And I was like, no, he's not. Like, that's the thing that, that bugs me is like, Buddha's actually not neutral. Like we get this sense of it because, Oh, it's all about positivity and goodness. I'm like, no, it it really is. Like, if you study Buddhism, in a sense, it is. But like, to me, that's the problem with Christianity. It's like you almost can't use it anymore because of how we've done it. And to me, that's the value of positive narratives. Is I can wear a Batman shirt. Now that becomes a neutral ground because I can mm-hmm. I can use that as a connection to if I was wearing a Christianity shirt. Yeah, I might gather other Christians to me. But people who are against Christianity or against that symbol, not necessarily against Christ, are going to use that mm. as a like, it's going to put up barriers. Versus if I start with Batman and then I talk about, let me tell you why the Dark Knight is, and then I bring in this narrative of we have someone who's going to be the sin eater for us. 
literally. Mm. And they can, you know, I've literally done that. I literally, they were, oh, I love Batman. Like, have you seen, oh, I love the Dark Knight. And I was like, dude, the concept of someone who is the sin eater, who takes on the the evil for us, that's so great. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, man, I love, as a believer, like Christ does that. And they're like, really? They'd never even, like, you know what I mean? Like, that wasn't even a concept mm. that they understood. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. And I began explaining all of this, same with Superman. Like, oh, yeah, like, that's a Christ story. Like, he is the thing that we can look up to and 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 be a model for. Like, we're supposed to be good people. Like, that's why we have. So, to me, it's that. And then the second one for non-believers, which is also, it's kind of for believers, but but more for non-believers. When you see these stories, it it they can act as a warning, because it helps us realize that there is evil and there is good. Um, one of the things that I think the postmodern generation, so that our parents um, or older siblings, cousins, whatever, um, they have this relativity thing. And there is no good, there is no evil. Like right in the 70s, right? Like there was that whole mm-hmm. thing of the anti-hero, the anti-villain, um, you know, there's no really bad guys. There's no really good guys. I mean, that's the whole point of Game of Thrones. Like, literally, Game of Thrones was written because he's like, evil is us. We are the evil. So nobody mm. in the Game of Thrones is all good. Nobody in Game of Thrones is all bad. They all do good mm. and bad things. And it's like, well, okay, that's very real. But there is evil. And there is good. And there are things worth fighting for. And and even across different cultures, across like that to me is why like you look at these these strong positive statements. I mean, you look at Captain America; it's literally Captain America. But it it would it went crazy in China. It went crazy in all these places because people recognize that there is good and there is evil across cultures, and that mm. there's a value in fighting against oppression, of fighting against like all the things that God specifically says, I am against, I'm here to liberate, I'm here to bring love, I'm here to bring peace. Like Buddha stole that from God. Like yeah. Buddha didn't come up with that on his own. Like Christianity is is one of the oldest religions to have that, where where goodness is about other centeredness. And so to me, that's a great reminder of like there are things, you know. Why was the evil empire set up in Star Wars? It's a perfect example. It wasn't set up because, oh, there's, you know, uh, this clearly evil guy. No, it was a good guy in disguise. It was a lamb who speaks as a dragon and then starts a war because he wants to distract from. Mm. And it's like, man, it's such a perfect. It, it, the, the, the connection to the Bible, unintentional though it is, is so there. Um, yeah. And we can use it to be like, and our job is to fight against that. And it's a great reminder. So then I I, I want to make one quick kind of comment on this before we get to our final thoughts. And that is the, the topic of discernment, right? I don't think you should, I don't think anybody should watch anything, read anything, do anything without discernment, right? Um, yeah. And that's like, like, there's knowledge and then there's wisdom and like wisdom and discernment are basically synonymous in the Bible. Like this idea of like what wisdom is in Proverbs, like just read through Proverbs. It's clearly discernment. Like clearly wisdom is the ability to look at a situation. It's it like discernment is applied wisdom. Like wisdom mm. itself is maybe like knowledge and then discernment would be the application of that, that knowledge. And 
the Bible talks about this several times. Like there's several verses I'd recommend you read through, but some the, the, the ones that to me, just a simple search for discernment, this is what popped up. Isaiah 44, 19 and 20, right? You need to be able to discern. They cannot do it. This is the whole thing Isaiah preaches against. If you read the book, the theme of Isaiah is like, you guys are clearly doing the wrong thing if you and you've lost your ability to discern. First uh, Kings 4.29, God gives Solomon wisdom and discernment. He kept the wisdom, but he didn't discern. He didn't, he lost the discernment. Mm. Um, Psalms 119.66, right? Allow me to discern. I want to, I want to know. I want to be able to read your scriptures. They help me to discern. Um, Isaiah 29.14, again, discernment, like the people have lost the ability to discern. And then I want to go through, so the three stories in the Bible of why Jesus talks in parables. To me, this is the ultimate reason why we should, like, to me, I get, like, I totally get if someone is a devil's advocate and, or it's just disagrees with me, flat out disagrees with me and says, hey, don't, you know, these are all bad. If we avoid everything, we can't be touched mm-hmm. by anything. And I was like, okay, fair enough. But I don't think you should even read the Bible without this. And this is the reason why. Jesus talked in parables. In the things he knew would get written down and shared to all the followers, he still spoke in riddles. Why? And they talk about this in Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. Matthew, Matthew 13 really goes in depth on this. And I'd recommend studying this if you really want questions about like discernment. He basically mm-hmm. says, you have been granted the secrets of the kingdom. Everybody else has not. So to weed out those who want to understand and to weed out those who don't, I talk in parables so that mm. those who, who are looking for God and searching for God will find him and those who aren't will not. And that to me, I really, to me, should be applied to all of scripture. Like there are certain times where guys like, don't do this. But even in that, it needs to be read with discernment. Like the Ten Commandments need to be read with discernment. Because it's, is it don't murder or is it don't kill? Is it don't bear false witness or is it don't lie? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, even yeah. those need to be read with discernment. What's the con- What's the purpose of that? What um, is adultery? What is like, adultery? How does, which Jesus very about- clearly redefines in or defines right. In Matthew 5. But up until that point, now obviously, you know, it says, well, don't fornicate either. But the point is, it's about loyalty, right? But you can't, you won't get that if you don't get discernment. Like, I don't think you should just let your kid just read the Bible on its own. Teach them how to be discerning. You have to teach them. That's the thing. It's like, okay, don't read Harry Potter. Fine, don't read Harry Potter without discernment. Because if you're not reading it with discernment, yeah, you're not going to get anything good out of it, but also don't mm-hmm. read the Bible without discernment because you're going to come up with some yeah. really whacked out theology there. So that, anyway, that's the point that I want to say, like, yeah. if you think that this is just me talking or, or, you know, beggars talking out of our heads, like, no, this is a biblical thing to be discerning. You know, Isaiah 116, come now, let us, re- uh, 118, 16, I don't know. Come now, let us reason together, right? That's, it's talking about yeah. a discerning process. Let's, let's work this out. Um, and what we'll do, um, I'll put all of those texts that we just mentioned, I'll yeah. put them in the show notes so you can go look at the context awesome. yourself. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Also, Jesus so, quotes yeah. Isaiah 6 in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. So you can go ahead and read Isaiah 6 as well. Same thing, discerning, you know, hearing they yep. will not hear. Um, so, Ryan, final thoughts. Yeah, so I actually want to end, um, well, 
Yeah, I want to end my final thoughts with a story. Um, this is a true story that happened to a friend of mine. So I have, um, I have a friend of mine who actually is missing one of his eyes from like a childhood accident. And um, so he actually had prosthetic eyes for a while. Like he had a set of them. And the, and the reason he had a set of them was the same reason that people have like multiple contacts basically, right? And at one point his family actually, he moved and he joined my, uh, he joined my class. Like he was a new kid in one of my classes in like, I think sixth grade. And, um, you know, we met him, he was a cool guy, but when he moved, um, something actually happened during his move. So his family loaded up a U-Haul with all of their stuff, but his dad didn't actually lock the U-Haul correctly. And so while they were driving, I guess they hit a bump and one of their boxes fell out and they, you know, they stopped, they tried to get everything that they could back, uh, you know, find everything and, um, find everything and load it all back up. And, and they, you know, they locked down the, the truck, right. And then they headed on their way. The problem was that my friend had, he had only packed a little bit for a couple of the hotel stays that they were having. He didn't really, and all of his prosthetic eyes were in that box. Guess what they didn't find when they went to load them all up? Literally none of them. And then when they were leaving the hotel, my friend left his last one there. And you'd think, right? But he was a kid. He was like 12. Um, I know of stories of like kids who are 13, 14 diabetics uh, who may not even know how to take care of their own insulin because their parents may have, you know, managed okay. all of that for right. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can't so, see out of it. So you kind of, yeah. Right. Yeah. And my friend's name was Jed. And that's the story of how he lost or, you know, how his family lost the last Jedi. I had to, I had to talk Halfway into the story, I knew you were going to do this. And I didn't care. In, I was like, I did not care. Okay. All right. Okay. We're doing this. I had to, I had to get one more in there that was as outrageous as it possibly could have been. But I realized that the second I had Jed and I, I realized that there was no way to do this without it sounding really depressing. <laughs> So I just, I, uh, I was very, I was very I careful with kid, this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it was, I, I did everything I could here, but if you've suffered through that one, I'm impressed. Bless you. Bless you. Our followers. I expect like a whole stream of one star reviews on iTunes for that. And I don't <laughs> regret it at all. You, you negated I don't regret it at all. two incredible puns that I added in there. I hope you're happy. <laughs> all right well any final thoughts <laughs> any actual final thoughts <laughs> ultimately it, uh, ultimately it's this like the content that we take in as <gasps> as content the content that we consume is neutral and amoral um but how we approach it how we how we consume it the yeah. the how is what matters it's not and, what goes in but what goes out yep correct so if if you're if you're just watching things empty, whether that's the Bible or whether, you know, it's the same way watching 
a movie completely blindly and just like not really paying attention to it and just letting it whatever and never thinking about it is the same way as reading is the same thing as reading the Bible and for, and completely re, or realizing that for the entire time that you were reading, you weren't paying attention and you have to go back and reread it. It's the same thing. Um, if you're not paying attention to what you're, what you're actually consuming, then how will you know if it's good or bad on a greater level than just, I liked it or I didn't like it understanding why and what are the things that make that thing special or dangerous or whatever. Those are all things that matter. And yes, listen to your guts because ultimately I I think my final thoughts here is this. If you've watched star Wars or Harry Potter or uh, Lord of the Rings, right. Or Chronicles of Narnia, if you've read those books or watched those movies and you've said, I don't like this, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm not okay with this. Then congratulations. It's not okay for you. And that's fine. You don't have right. to, like, I don't think yeah. either of us have spent this episode trying to tell you that you have to accept these things. Yeah. What I am saying is what we do need to accept is that what is right for us might not be right for someone else. What is bad for us might not be bad for everyone else. And we've had a whole episode yeah. on projection, but I, I would just caution against projecting both directions. On, right. you know, right. Just because sure. I think it's good doesn't mean it's good for you. And just because I think it's bad doesn't mean it is bad for you. And I disagree 100%. I think Star Wars is good for everybody. And everyone should (laughs) consume it. If I had, if I was elected Emperor of the Universe, I would force everyone to watch it with my crazy Sith powers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think think that's a good last place to end, by the way. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good one to end in. All right, I'm not cool. Gonna, I'm well, not in gonna, that case, I'm not going to top that. I like yeah. that. That was good. Um, good way to cap off the episode after a terrible yeah. pun. Right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Looking forward to seeing what the rest of 2020 brings. Be on the lookout January 22 for the Absurd Podcast Network and uh, A Beautiful Faith dropping on iTunes, Spotify, all those good places with Henry Johnson. Really excited for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah.